hear what the Spirit is saying to the church from the book of Romans. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, it, it is the, that very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs with God and joint heirs with Christ. If, in fact, we suffer with God, so that we may be also glorified with God. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed in us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Maybe seated. Thanks, Shania. Friends, let's pray together. God, as we show up um, on this day, maybe with a extra hour sleep or slower morning in our bodies, um, we come to just to bring who we are, our whole selves, to your presence. We know that this is available every single day, every moment of our lives. Yet to create a space to be with others, to be with ourselves, to be with you, to create a space at this table of bread and wine in which we commune. We live this life with you. I pray that in all of it, the songs, the word, the scriptures, the prayer, Loving God, would you remind us that we, we are not alone? Would you remind us of your presence that dwells so deeply? And will you remind us of the inheritance in which we live upon, the identity in which we have begun? Will you remind us that we are not alone? And as we sit to feast, fill our hearts with gratitude for you. For those so dear to us, as we celebrate the fullness of life that we have been given in your love. And so, beloved, speak, for your children are listening. Use the words of a broken man like me for your glory. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, my personality is, is, is an enthusiast. I usually like to like make things happy and fun in all the ways. And so um, sometimes th- this space of like, hey, let's remember those um, worries me. I'm worried someone's going to come to church and be like, yeah, never going there again. That was kind of a downer. Others of you who are like, finally, we spoke some truth or had some space in a service. Like, thank you. But I think what hits me deepest on this morning 
is when we pray, when we remember those we've lost. For many of us, those were silent losses. For many of us, um, we may be shared with some friends or family, but maybe a lot of people in this room don't know. For some of us, it may have been a person. It also may have been a time in our life, a season, or something we are in the middle of right now, sitting in our grief. And one of the greatest gifts of being called to pastor a church is to know some of those stories. And as I look upon this room, I hear their voice. I could name some of their tears, some of their celebrations and gratitude. And for that, I am deeply honored. Also at All Souls, we happen to be kind of a quiet group that's trying to get a little bit louder. But when we sing down by the river to pray and you walk into a service that that's happening, or when Keeley reads a quote about like these amazing children and what we're doing in our ministry, um, we need to become a people that know how to use the word amen every once in a while, or at least some kind of like, can we just snap or something? Cause we've got to respond about what's happening. And I'm not saying now, like in the sermon, please respond though. If you want to, it's fine. Um, But how do we respond to this life together? Because, my friends, there are some beautiful things happening. And how can we do this work together in community? And so I want to take a moment. We did it silently, but not all good things should rest in silence. I want to take a moment to respond to who are the people in your life that have influenced your faith journey, your life journey so deeply that their name deserves to be heard out loud this morning. So let's take a moment. We'll overlap. People will interrupt each other. But out loud, share some names of people who have influenced your journey this morning. I wasn't expecting that. I know there's many more. I know there's some that we've lost that maybe never were given a name. But we remember them the same. One of my dear friends and mentors through life was a man named Steve Brooks. Um, I was a young, lost, trying to figure out what to do with my life and about ready to um, kind of leave everything I had been doing and just be like, you know what, change it all. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And, and I got a call and he said, hey, can we have some time together? I met in Steve's office one-on-one and he just listened. He shared some of his journey. And then not only did he listen, but he also said, well, I, I kind of see, I have a vision for you and for your own life of how God is leading you because Because I love you and I know that God loves you more than you would ever know. I spent time um, being discipled and being um, cared for by Steve. Supported in so many moments of my life. At a young age, um, when he was full life, he also um, was diagnosed with ALS. 
and we grieved his loss. I carry his funeral guide or worship guide with me everywhere I go. Because people change us. They influence us. We are not individuals who create ourselves, but we are here because of the love, because of the generosity, because of the inheritance we have been given from others. And you also deeply influence the life of others. On the back of his funeral guide, it writes this, a quote from the book, The Shack. Steve suffered very greatly towards the end of his life. And he said, just because I work, just because I work incredibly good out of unspeakable tragedies doesn't mean that I orchestrate the tragedies. God's grace doesn't depend on suffering to exist. But where there is suffering, you will find grace in many facets and colors. Papa. I have found grace through so many people and through a dear friend, Steve. We have found grace in the stories of others. Some maybe we have never met before in our entire lives. This passage says, it is the very spirit bearing witness to our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. This is a passage that is often read in many um, funeral services and Episcopal church in many services. This, this, this grounding, hopeful, kind of identifying passage of what does it mean to be in this life with God? That you are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. What does it mean to us? How can we relate to the idea that our life, our faith, our journey that we walk on is an inheritance. It is not something in which we pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and we figure it out. But in so many ways, in, in the ground level of our faith, what we have been given is a deep inheritance from God directly. There is a weight when I hear the word inheritance. There is a responsibility. There is a sacredness that is demanded of our life when we realize that our life is a complete gift that has been lavishly given to us with treasures and grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. So with this inheritance, Mary Lowry says, tell me, what do you plan to do with this one wild and precious life? That we have been given an inheritance, a life within God as our very beginning. And so in a world and in a culture that is based on independence, individualism, this passage speaks directly towards something else. That though those can be good and important, that we must see that our life is an inheritance of Christ. We must see that the ground of our being is not that which we, we can create, which we can put on our resume, which we can name for ourselves. It is not just our successes and it is not, we cannot be named just for our failures. But our ground of being, our very life, is this inheritance of being a child beloved by God. 
We have inherited so much. And when we forget that, it is a disservice to ourselves. And it is a disservice to so many around us. So what is this inheritance that Paul, St. Paul writes about? First is this. This inheritance is a deep identity. It is who you are. That by this very spirit of God speaking to our inner spirit, we are named at the core part of who we are as beloved children of God. Now that may seem normal to you, but at the time that this letter is being written, it is changing the whole system of religion. It is changing the whole boundaries of who is in and who is out. It is changing everything about what it means to be in relationship with God. That our deepest identity is one because of Christ and Christ's love, because of the very spirit that is moving and breathing within us and in our world, that we are named as beloved children of God. Yesterday, I sat at a retreat with a bunch of professional athletes, cyclists, and um, didn't tell any of my story of cycling or riding my bike around the neighborhood. Um, they were young too. And we talked about rest. What does it look like to find rest in our life? And we got to the point that what does it look like not just to kind of rest our body so that we can keep on doing and keep on moving our legs and going forward with our life. But what does it look like to find deepest identity rest in who you are? For so many of us, who we are often gets defined by what the world calls us. Who we are gets defined by the voices inside of us saying that you are this, you are that, you don't need to be that. It gets defined by shame. But in this passage, we realize that our deepest inheritance is the deepest identity that we have in God as beloved children of God. I suggested to them an exercise which I had participated in my life. Of going and sitting down and just writing every I am statement possible. I am a son. I am a father. I am a husband. Um, I am awkward. I am an enthusiast. I just kept writing everything that maybe defines who I am in the world. And I wondered, what, what if all of those identities did not exist anymore? Who am I? What is the ground of my identity? What is the ground basement level of who we are? What names us? To this, this passage says, the great I am looks into us and says, you have inherited a life as a child of God. Now live from that place. Now see others in that place place. But I think sometimes that inheritance is too hard to believe. It's just the the, the news is just too good. And so because it's unmeasured at times, we move through life adding all different identities, all different things in which we hope will define and shape and build who we are, whether they are good or whether they are negative. But to the core of it all, this passage says, no, you have inherited a deep identity through the love of Christ. Can you live from that space? 
you also have inherited, as the passage goes, this glory. To be able to behold and see the glory of God. To be able to look into our world and say that there is something glorious and beautiful. It means that we have inherited glory meaning weight. That there is a weightiness, there is a meaning, there is a purpose to all of this because we have inherited this life that we step into with God. And it's something we get to observe. It's something that when we see, when we worship, it begins to shape who we are. And it's something that we are brought into as well. Now here on this earth and forevermore, that we are brought into this weight of God. For so, much, for so much of my life, I have put weight in things that we're not asking to hold that weight. False idols, false achievements in which I was trying to say, maybe this will bring glory and meaning and purpose to this world. But it just didn't want the weight, nor could it hold it. But to this passage, God says, no, I can hold this weight. I can hold this glory. I can see you as you see me. Our deep identity, our glory. And then in a classic kind of gospel way, it flips everything on its head. That you have inherited in this inheritance and this life that we begin from. You have inherited suffering. I don't know about you, but with inheritance, I'm usually like, all right. This feels good. Now I can kind of build a life off of this. Or I wonder, you see families fight over how much am I going to get? But what happens is when God offers inheritance to this world, he says, yeah, part of this inheritance is my suffering as well. Part of what I'm giving you is a life of suffering. Not that you need to pursue it, but it becomes part of it. But in the inheritance of this suffering that we have in and with Christ, what it is demanding is that the moments when life is difficult, the moments when we grieve, the moments when we suffer or we see suffering in this world, what we have inherited is a perspective that we belong to God, that we belong to a God that has tasted and knows suffering. That those moments are not a separation from God. But they are part of our inheritance of a God who has suffered and that is with us in the midst of our own. A deep identity, a vision of glory, a suffering, and finally a security. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> there it is. We're learning. There is a deep security, a deep knownness, a deep groundingness to who we are, and that nothing can separate us. You know what that means? Not even you can do it. You cannot separate yourself. You can't beat yourself up so big that you go, you know what? God doesn't love me or doesn't know me. You're not able to separate yourself. It's just not possible because in this inheritance, nothing will be able to separate us from God. I don't know how many times I've needed to come back to this passage in my own life because I don't believe it's true. But I know I stand in a community that believes it's true for me. 
And we believe it's true for each other. And we believe it's true for people outside of this building and this space. And that, my friends, is actually good news for this world. So may we know that we are not alone. May we know that our identity is secured as beloved children of God. May we know that in our suffering, there is a God who has suffered and promises to be with us. May we know that our very being is bound into the life and to the love of God through Christ and through the spirit. For my friends, I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come. Nor powers, no heights, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's pray. God, so many times it's so easy to become so anxious about if we're doing it right in this world. There's so many times we wonder if if we're just meeting the standard that this world is asking of us. And so we strive, we claw, we do everything we can to hear that we are okay. I pray that before all the effort before all our individualism, before all of our proving of ourselves, or before all the shame that we lie upon ourselves. I say, God, before it all, may you remind us of our connection to you. As a mother deeply loves her child, you have loved us. As a father brings up, trains, nurtures her child, you have loved us. As a brother walks with us in pain and suffering, you have walked with us. Nothing can separate us from you. And when we taste the bread, when we drink the wine, may we know that our life is wrapped in you. In your forgiveness. In your grace. Now and forevermore. 